we really, it's going to be somewhat repetitive. Uh, we could have really covered 1 Thessalonians 1, 2, and 3 kind of in one pop because it's kind of the same things over and over. We could have rushed through them, but I would rather be a little repetitive and go through each chapter individually and, and just look at all the verses as opposed to just rushing through them, even though they are very similar in what they talk about. Uh, what we've seen up to this point in 1 Thessalonians and 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2 is that really Paul loves the people of Thessalonica. He misses them and he's, he's glad to know that they have put their faith in Jesus in the midst of opposition and persecution. And he thanks the Lord for them and he, he wants to make sure that they're doing good. That's kind of a summary of 1 Thessalonians uh, 1, 2, and 3. And one thing that we've noticed at the end of 1 and 2 is that there is this mention of the coming of the Lord. And again, we see that here at the end of chapter 3. And that's a common theme we see throughout 1 Thessalonians at the end of each of these sections, these chapters as we call them. Now, when Paul would have written this, he didn't write in chapters. It would have just been one long letter. But uh, the way that we've broken them up in chapters, our, our chapters as we have them uh, all in with Paul speaking of the, of the coming of the Lord. Sometimes breaking things into chapters is good. Sometimes, though, uh, it would be a little more natural for us to read these things without there being a chapter break. Uh, for instance, what we see here at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians 3, it starts with a therefore. Uh, but really, if you were to read the last part of chapter 2 that we looked at last week, reading into this, it, it kind of flows a little better than the way that maybe we break it off into chapters. So we will pray, and then we will look at 1 Thessalonians 3. Father God, we come to you, we thank you for your good word, and we thank you for the freedom to be in here tonight, to be able to hear it. And I pray that you just hide me behind the cross, that I would do a, a good job, dear Lord, that everything that's said tonight would bring glory and honor to you. I pray that you get our minds focused on you for a few minutes, dear Lord, that we don't, don't get worried about things of the world or focus on distractions or things that are on our mind. But in these few minutes, dear Lord, we'd be totally focused on you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, at the end of 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, uh, we see here that, that Paul doesn't want to be separated from the people. He, he wants to be with the people of Thessalonica. He wants to see them again. And in and, and the midst of all that they're going through and all that he's going through, that's not really a, a possibility. Uh, it said at the end of chapter 2 he wanted to come, but Satan had hindered him in some way. And so... He desired to see the people of Thessalonica and see how they are doing. And with that in mind, when we get to 3 verse 1, it says, Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, that is him and the other, other Christians who were with him doing the work they were doing, uh, when we could no longer stand it, we thought it was better to be left alone in Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith. So uh, Timothy could have been with Paul and the rest of them, and they very well could have used him in the work that they were doing or the things that they had going on. But Paul said, we considered it to be better to let Timothy come to you instead of coming to us and being with us. And so as we see throughout Paul's letter, sometimes some some different Christians in the early church went from place to place, kind of made their, made their loop around, and we see so-and-so is with me and says to tell you hello, we're doing good, that type of stuff in the, in the letters, that type of idea uh, that Paul is writing, uh, letting Christians know, hey, we're doing good, hope you're doing good, and in this case, 
Timothy is going to go to Thessalonica to check in on him and bring a report back to Paul. Continuing on. He sent Timothy to encourage him concerning the faith, and in verse 3, so that no one will be shaken by these persecutions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. In fact, we were with you. We, when we were with you, we told you previously that we were going to suffer persecution. And as you know, it happened. So we saw a reference to this earlier on in the book, that obviously it was difficult for the Thessalonians to be Christians, and that was true for Christians all over just about every place that Paul went to, I mean, there was opposition from, from Jerusalem where Jesus was and the Jewish people were, there was opposition. And everywhere the gospel had spread, there continued to be opposition. But Paul said, look, uh, we warned you about this. And then he says, uh, for you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. Now, I think when he says we are appointed to this, I think he's speaking collectively of Christians here, that we as Christians are appointed to this type of suffering and this type of persecution. And so as Christians appointed to this type of persecution, how do we live in that? Well, Jesus says, pray for those who persecute you. So there's some good, some good advice for us. If we are in the midst of persecution and hard times and suffering as a Christian, uh, we should be strong enough to pray for those who persecute us as Jesus commanded. In verse 5, For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. So Paul was concerned about these people of Thessalonica that uh, had received the gospel of Jesus Christ. He wanted to make sure that they were still walking in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they still had faith in the Lord and had not turned their back on the Lord. Because of what reason? Because the tempter. He was afraid the tempter had tempted them and caused them to turn from Jesus. Now the tempter here has to be none other than Satan, I would believe, the same Greek word that's used for tempter here is the same Greek word that's used for tempter in Matthew chapter 4. And in that chapter, right before Jesus begins his earthly ministry, it is the devil who tempts him. Uh, and in Luke's account of that story, it uses the devil. Uh, but in Matthew's account, it says the tempter. And so I feel certain that the tempter spoken of here uh, is the devil. He's afraid that the devil is at work in some way through some temptations to the Christians in Thessalonica. And, and, and through those temptations, they may turn from the Lord. And as a result, their labor might be for nothing. That is, Paul and whoever came there, they labor to tell these people about Jesus and lead them to Jesus. And he's afraid that they're going to turn away from Jesus. Now, there's a couple of ways that we could take this passage. Now, we won't dig into the whole discussion tonight of, is it possible for a Christian to lose their salvation? We've talked about that uh, in some depth in the past. There are Christians who would believe both ways. Uh, some Christians would say it is impossible for a Christian to lose their salvation. That view uh, has really been popularized by John Calvin and, and the Calvinism movement throughout the years. Uh, other Christians would say, no, it is possible for a Christian to uh, lose their salvation. Uh, there are good scriptural arguments for both of those views, uh, but one thing we cannot we cannot miss is that our salvation is based upon our faith. By grace we are saved through faith. And so Paul addresses that a little further down uh, as we go through. Or Well, he doesn't actually use the word faith there, but, but he uses another passage that may speak to this as we continue on in verse 8. He says, For now we live if you stand firm in the Lord. 
that idea of not, not turning your back on the Lord seems to be kind of repeated here. Uh, whether, whether, depending on your, your view of kind of Christian lose or salvation will depend on your interpretation, uh, well, excuse me, will affect your interpretation of this verse. Uh, if you don't think a Christian can lose their salvation, then you may say, well, then these people must not have really been Christians to start with. Perhaps they were those in Matthew 13 that Jesus spoke of in the parable of the sower, those who the seed hit, but the, the enemy, the evil one, came and ate the seed before it had time to sprout. Well, that's one possibility. Uh, but if you do believe that a Christian can lose their salvation, then Paul was concerned that that may be the case, that people would uh, turn their back on Jesus, that is, no longer have faith in Jesus. And Paul did not want to see that occur to these Christians in Thessalonica. Verse 6, But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love and reported that you always had good memories of us wanting to see us as we also want to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you through your faith. For now we live if you stand firm in the faith. Excuse me, stand firm in the Lord. Now, Paul is talking about their faith here. He's encouraged about their faith because their faith is strong. Obviously, their faith is in the Lord. And he says, now we live. Now, I don't think he means that if for some reason they lose their faith that Paul and those are going to die. But I think what he's saying there is we have joy in life because of your faith. It brings us joy as we live, as we do our work. When we hear that your faith is strong, it is good for us. It is encouraging to us. And that's exactly the report that Paul got. He was worried that the tempter might have tempted them, but they did not give in to temptation of sin. They were holding firm. They were going to follow Christ. They were not going to give up on Jesus under any circumstances. And Paul was proud to hear that. Verse 9, How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith? Here we see this idea of joy they experienced because of, uh, because of the Christians in Thessalonica. And what is his desire? He wants to see that they complete what is lacking. Now, I don't know what is lacking in their faith, but maybe there were some particular areas that Paul had noticed while he was there. And he said, you know, I need to, I need to preach or teach to these people at Thessalonica in this way. This is an area maybe where they're struggling or maybe they need, need to work on their walk with the Lord a little bit. Uh, I don't know in what way they were lacking, but we all, as Christians, have areas that we are lacking. There may be areas that we say, oh, I need to work on my attitude. I need to work on my laziness. I need to work on I lie too much. I gossip too much. There's an area of weakness. I mean, uh, I'm not saying that you're not a Christian if you do some of those things. But as a Christian, if we see those areas of weakness, those areas where we are lacking, we should say, okay, God, I don't want to lack in that area. Help me to have a better attitude. Help me to work harder. Help me to... Help me not to gossip so much, dear Lord. And uh, Paul's desire here, with whatever he felt like that they were lacking, his desire was to see that whatever was lacking in them was made complete, that the Lord would work in them and that Paul himself could be able to come and love on them and work in them as well. Verse 11, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with the love with love for one another and for everyone, just as we also do for you. So here's this theme that we see really throughout the New Testament. This is, this is the core to who God is. God is 
love. And so what does Paul want the people of Thessalonica to do? To increase in love, that that love overflows for one another and for everyone, just as we have done for you. So there's this idea among among bodies of believers, whether we're all together or spread out, there's this idea of love, that as God has loved us, we should love others, we should love, we should love each other, and that's exactly what Paul is doing here. Paul had been and he had loved them, and he hoped that they were continuing to love God and, of course, love one another. Verse 13, May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus. With all his saints, amen. And so here we see really kind of more of the same language. Paul has gone. He has done the work of the Lord. There's people that he had wanted to share the gospel with. And some of the people there in Thessalonica had become Christians. They had accepted the gospel. And when they accepted the gospel, it brought joy to him and the other people who were serving with him. And his desire was to see that they would mature, that they would grow in the Lord, that they would see areas where they were lacking and that they would grow in the Lord in those areas, that he, he longed to see them. He told them he loved them. He prayed for them. He praised God for them. He rejoiced. There was great joy in his life because of these people that he had worked on. And so he led people to Christ, but he wanted to make disciples. He wanted to make sure that these men and women in Thessalonica were going to follow the Lord. And that should, be, that should be our goal, too. Now, we may not be missionaries that travel uh, the places that Paul traveled, but, but certainly there are people in your life, whether it's family members or friends or people you encounter, and you desire to see them put their faith in the Lord. I mean, you want to see their sins forgiven. You want to be with them for all of eternity. And so when we see people like that, we, we in a sense, are like Paul. That is, we see people that we love, and we want to see them come to the Lord. And so we have great joy when they do. We've all seen family members or friends who have come to the Lord. And that is, a, that is a great day. And we are so happy to see them walk with the Lord. But it's also very sad when we see people that we love begin to drift away from the Lord. And stop walking closely to the Lord. And stop being obedient to His words. And so... We can in some ways here relate to Paul because we know what the joy it is uh, to see someone we love come to Christ. We also know what joy it is to see someone that we love drift away from Christ. But we also know the joy of when they return to Christ uh, as, the, as, the, as the lost sheep do oftentimes. And so uh, we can relate to what Paul says and this needs to be our goal to see people that we love, to teach them the gospel of Jesus Christ in hopes that they will put their faith in Jesus and that they will stay strong in their faith in Jesus and grow in Him. And so it is for us. Even if we've been in Christ for years, we too should be those who grow in the Lord. We should be those who, who look for areas in our lives that are lacking. Say, God, help me to see these areas where I'm not doing so good and help me to seek Jesus Christ to be more like Him uh, in all that I do. And so uh, we have really, in the first three chapters here of Thessalonians, uh, we have a, a beautiful letter that Paul is writing to his friends. And uh, beautiful relationships there are between brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the way it should be. And, and praise the Lord, I think I can say that of this group of believers in Christ, that we love each other. And uh, we have the same kind of love and affection that Paul has for the people here. And so we want that love and affection that, that Paul has, that we feel that's all from the Lord to not just stay in this body, not stay in this room, but to go out those doors and that the love of Christ would overflow through us. Let's pray.
Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good words, and I pray that you would help us to, uh, to be like Paul here, to be excited about people, dear Lord, to let other people know about Jesus. God, to see those people that do come to know Jesus, to see them grow in Jesus, to encourage them, dear Lord, to help them to see areas where they lack. God, to help us to look at our own areas where we lack. God, don't let us be those who are tempted by the temper, temp, tempter, dear Lord, that our faith may, may be weak, dear Lord, but let our faith be strong in you. Let us not doubt. Let us not drift from you. Let us not be tempted by sin and the things of the world. God, let us be those that trust you and all we do. Let us do as Paul commanded the Thessalonians, that we would love one another, dear Lord. So let us love God. Let us love you, God, because, well, you're good to us and you love us. And God, let us be found faithful to love one another and to love all those we encounter, just as Jesus did for us when he gave his life on the cross. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.